Hi, you are listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Aron. So without further ado, here he is. Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Uh, if you're new to our church, my name is Jared. I am the youngest pastor on staff at our church. I will play that card this morning. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Uh, this weekend is really special for our family. Uh, Twelve years ago on the Friday night of Memorial Day weekend, our firstborn son uh, entered into this world. And one of the things you probably don't know, because we weren't at Harvest at the time, but Joshua's life is truly a miracle. Uh, when Yvonne was 26 weeks pregnant, uh, she went into preter- preterm labor. Uh, and if you're not familiar with pregnancy, you're supposed to make it up to 40 weeks. So she ended up in the hospital for a few days, and it was a very scary few days. Um, there were specialists coming into the room telling us, here's the reality if your son is born uh, this week. And uh, there were a lot of unknowns, but I'll tell you what, um, we felt amazing peace because we had so many people praying for us. So in a very dark time, uh, God showed up, and uh, Yvonne went on bed rest, and she made it all the way to 39 weeks. Delivery day, day came, and everything was going really well. She was nine centimeters dilated. I don't, I don't know if that's too much information. <laughs> then all of a sudden, uh, Joshua's heart rate plummeted, and nurses and doctors rushed into the room. And in a matter of seconds, they wheeled Yvonne into surgery. And again, we have no idea what's happening. And they told me to put scrubs on, and I went into the surgery room, and the umbilical cord had gotten wrapped around his neck, and he wasn't getting oxygen. So they did a C-section surgery, and everything was successful. He was born completely healthy. So miracle after miracle over this boy's life. He's 12 years old now. Can I tell you a new miracle? Over the past year, we've been nagging Joshua to clean his room. Like any typical preteen or teenager, the struggle's real, right? Struggle's real. Then one day I came home and I couldn't believe what had happened. His room was immaculately clean. I felt like I was entering into the holy of holies and the spirit of God had descended upon our home. And the true miracle is it wasn't just a one-day thing. Over the last couple of months, he's kept his room looking pretty good and clean. Miracle after miracle after miracle. There is a point to all this, trust me. As you can see, the message uh, title this morning is Wholehearted. With Joshua in his room, for a long time, his efforts were so half-hearted. He was just going through the motions. He would clean his room if nagged enough, but it really didn't matter to him. He really didn't care that much. It's not hard to be half-hearted. Anybody can be half-hearted, but wholehearted That's a whole other story. To be wholehearted requires commitment and devotion and sacrifice and going all in. 
Many of us here at Harvest committed this year to getting into Scripture on a regular basis. Some said they're going to read the New Testament. Others committed to reading through the whole Bible. Others are doing their own plan. How's it going? We're kind of halfway through the year. How many have stuck with it? Uh, go ahead and raise your hands if you've stuck with your commitment. I want to, okay, okay, raise your hand, yes. I want to commend you. I want to celebrate you. I want to say way to go. And if you're stuck or you fell off the wagon, I'm not going to make you raise your hand. There's grace. But I want to encourage you to get back on track. It isn't about finishing within a year or a certain time frame. It's about a lifelong practice of connecting with God through getting in his word. You can start back up today. And as I've been reading through the Old Testament as part of the plan that I'm going through, a certain word has stood out to me uh, as I went through the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy. God still speaks through the Old Testament, Numbers and Deuteronomy. And I'm a words guy, and often a single word can have an extraordinary impact on my life. And right now it's this word wholehearted or wholeheartedly. And it comes from Numbers 14, 24 is one of the instances. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Numbers 32, 11 is another example. Because they have not followed me wholeheartedly, not one of those who were 20 years old or more when they came up out of Egypt, we'll see the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not one except Caleb's son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua's son of Nun, for they followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Here we see God is making a distinction between those who follow half-heartedly, a whole lot of people, and those who follow the Lord wholeheartedly, two men Caleb, and Joshua. And it begs the question that I want to focus on this morning. What made Joshua and Caleb wholehearted in their following of the Lord? What set these two men apart from everybody else in Israel that God would say, these men chase after me wholeheartedly? If we as a church want to build wholehearted followers of Jesus, what does this look like? What does it take? And I believe this morning that God is going to use his word to give us some important encouragements and challenges to call us to be wholehearted in following after him. And we're going to look at the account from Deuteronomy 1. So if you have your Bible with you, I like people who actually bring a paper Bible. I'll just say that out loud. But if you have your phone with you or your paper Bible, turn to Deuteronomy 1. And this shares more of the details about what happened and what set Caleb and Joshua apart from the other Israelites. And I just want to pray for us before we read the word together. Uh, So just pause with me for a moment as we pray. God, I just pray right now for humility of heart and mind 
in this room. That we would be a people who are humble enough to open up our lives before your word and to let you speak to us. Uh, God, we don't need more information from human beings. We need to hear from the living God. So we pray this morning, God, that you would use your word to remind us of your heart for us. Remind us of what is possible when we follow you wholeheartedly. And even as we hear your word, God, I pray that you would build faith among your people this morning. And you would change us, God. You would transform us. That today would be a day of reckoning where we recommit or commit to the first time to follow you with everything we have. And God, we pray this for your glory and for the sake of your name around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm actually going to ask you to stand as I read from Deuteronomy 1. It's a longer passage, so I want you to stay awake. So Deuteronomy 1, verse 19. Then as the Lord our God commanded us, we set out from Horeb and went toward the hill country of the Amorites through all that vast and dreadful wilderness that you have seen. And so we reached Kadesh Barnea. Then I said to you, you have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Then all of you came to me and said, let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route we we are to take the towns we will come to. The idea seemed good to me, so I selected 12 of you, one man from each tribe. They left and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eskol and explored it. Taking with them some of the fruit of the land, they brought it down to us and reported, it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, The Lord hates us. So he brought us up out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. Then I said to you, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the wilderness. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God. You went ahead who went ahead of you on your journey, in fire by night and in a cloud by day, to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. When the Lord heard what you said, he was angry and solemnly swore, no one from this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give your ancestors, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. He will see it 
And I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Because of you, the Lord became angry with me also and said, You shall not enter it either, but your assistant Joshua, son of Nun, will enter it. Encourage him, because he will lead Israel to inherit it. And the little ones that you said would be taken captive, your children who do not yet know good from bad, they will enter the land. I will give it to them, and they will take possession of it. But as for you, turn around and set outward, set out toward the desert along the route to the Red Sea. You can sit down. There's so much here. But I want to draw two key points from this passage about what it means to be wholehearted in our devotion to God. And the first one is wholehearted followers believe God's promises and obey God's commands. People who are wholehearted and following God Believe his promises and obey his commands. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 1, verses 20 through 21. Then I said to you, you have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God has given us. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The Israelites had just wandered 40 years through the wilderness. And they had finally arrived at the brink of the land that God had told them about. And I want us to pay close attention to what does God promise and what does God command. The promise is repeated twice here. You have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Did you catch the promise there? It's pretty straightforward. The promise is God has given you a land. After all these years in Egypt as slaves and 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, God is giving his people a place to call home. God's promise. Now God's commands. Go up. And take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. God is telling the people the land has been given to them. That is the promise. But you have to go up and take possession of it. You will have to claim it as your own. And God, knowing that there would be some adversity in this, because of the battles that would be fought, For the land, he says, Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. So the commands simply are go and take the land and don't give in to fear. Don't give in to discouragement. And how do the people respond? Verse 26 But you are unwilling to go up, you rebelled against the command of the Lord. Your God. We'll unpack in a moment what caused them to not go up. But I want to talk a little bit more about promise and command. We favor God's promises versus his commands, don't we? Often we just want the benefits that God will give us in his promises. 
We don't want to deal with the commands which involve our responsibility, our ownership. Here we see the connection, though, between the promise and the command. God promises the land, but he commands the Israelites to go up and take possession of it. But they disobeyed and disregarded the commands of God. A few weeks ago, I was driving to our kids' school uh, in the morning, and I was going a different route than I normally take. I was actually taking Jones Road, which most of us took to get to Eisenhower this morning. And if you pay attention uh, on Jones Road, there's a lot of signs, and you will see this sign on Jones Road. No right turn, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., Monday to Friday, except buses. So from Higgins to Hillcrest Boulevard, there are six of these signs. Trust me, I've counted. (laughs) Counted again this morning. (laughs) I'm driving along around 8.45 a.m., and I'm going north, and I need to make a right turn. So I come to Hillcrest Boulevard, which is my last opportunity to make the right turn that I need to make, and there's two of these signs at that intersection. So being the holy and righteous pastor that I am, what do I do? Well, I had already convinced myself this is a ridiculous sign and awfully inconvenient to me at this moment, so I made the right turn. So go ahead, judge me now. Just take a moment, pour out the judgment. And sure enough, the police officer was right there waiting for me. Walked right into the trap. And fortunately, the officer was gracious enough and gave me a warning. So Joshua and Jenna were in the car with me, so it was a good lesson as a parent. They're watching you. I came home uh, that evening, and Becca greets me at the door, and I, I heard you got pulled over by a police officer. Kidding aside, how often do we do this with God's commands? Well, God, I I don't understand why you would ask me to do that. It just doesn't make sense to me. Or God, this really isn't convenient for me right now, so I'm just going to disregard it. And what are we doing in this? We're saying, my way is is better than your way, God. And every time we disregard God's commands, I believe we pay the price. There's a consequence because we are moving away from what is best for us. Can I remind us this morning, there is always a reason for God's commands. It's out of his heart for wanting what is best for us, that he gives us his commands. David wrote in Psalm 119, I will always obey your law. And obviously he didn't always obey your law, but there was a heart that I always want to obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom, for I've sought out your precepts. I will speak of your statutes before kings and will not be put to shame. For I delight in your commands because I love them. 
I reach out for your commands, which I love, that I may meditate on your decrees. How far have we strayed from this view of God's commands? Too often we are duped to believe that God's commands are a killjoy. They are restrictive or outdated or burdensome. And that's not true. God's word paints a different picture that his commands bring freedom and life. I will walk about in freedom. I delight in your commands because I love them. I reach out for your commands, which I love, that I may meditate on your decrees. Oh, how I want this to be more true in my own life, that I love the commands of God. Because the commands of God flow out of the heart of God for me and for you to have the best life. Promise and command. And this isn't just an Old Testament thing. Jesus Jesus himself gave promises and commands. A great example is Matthew 28. Many of us know this as the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This passage is bookmarked with two amazing promises from Jesus. I have authority over heaven and earth, over everything. And I will be with you always to the end of the age. I will never leave you or abandon you. Those are the promises from Jesus. And the command is, go. And as you go, make disciples of every people group and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them what? Teach them to obey everything I have commanded. Jesus asks us as his followers to obey everything he has commanded. Promise and command. Caleb and Joshua were the only two that didn't disregard God's promise and God's command to take the land. They wanted to go up and take the land for their people. That's what set these two men apart. They believed God, and they backed up their belief with their action. So for us to wholeheartedly follow the Lord, we need to take seriously God's promises and God's commands, which are both for our own good. The second thing is wholehearted followers Face adversity with faith and not just with sight. Wholehearted followers build their life on faith and not just looking at the circumstances. Verse 27, you grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. 
They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. The Israelites looked at the circumstances and they said, there's no way. Those Amorites are stronger and taller than us. God, this is too big for us. And they got so discouraged. They even began to say, the Lord hates us. The Lord hates us. How often do we look at the circumstances and say, there's no way. There's no way. God, I can't believe your promise in this. It's too difficult. It's too overwhelming, the pain. I can't obey your commands here. It's just too hard for me. So in adversity, the change in thinking that we need is, it is too big for us. It's not up to us. It's not up to us alone. When you face something that's too big or too hard for you, it's God's invitation to come to him and to trust him and to lean into him for strength. And that's what wholehearted followers do. They choose to live by faith and not by sight. And faith remembers who God is in the midst of the adversity. And right here in this passage, God gives the people of Israel and us today three powerful faith-building images of who he is. And this is right from his word. The first one is victorious warrior. Verse 30. The Lord your God, who is going before you, will fight for you. Will fight for you. As he did in Egypt, before your very eyes and in the wilderness. This is so powerful here. He is the God who goes before you. And he's the God who fights for you. Do you know how good this is? That God fights for you every day? Whether you feel it or believe it or the circumstances tell you it is true, God is waging war to capture your heart and affection. It becomes a lot easier to give your wholehearted devotion to God when you realize he's relentless in his loving pursuit and fight for you, no matter what the circumstances are. And some of you here today need to hear this more than anything else, that God is still fighting for you. He's always been fighting for you, and he will continue to fight for you. He is the warrior who wants to win your devotion. Second thing is a caring father. Verse 31 There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. That's another beautiful and powerful image. A newborn child is helpless and needy. They can't care for themselves. A loving parent cares for and carries their child moment by moment. And this is what God does for us. He is a tender-hearted 
yet strong Father who carries us through the joys and struggles of life. Again, no matter what the circumstances of your life tell you right now, God is not distant. He is present. He is not callous. He is caring. Your heavenly Father, up until this point, has carried you through so much already. You don't even realize how much he has carried you through already. And he will continue to carry you. He is a good father to us. And the last image is a trustworthy guide. Verse 32, in spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God, who went ahead of you on your journey, in fire by night and in a cloud by day, to search out places for you to camp, and to show you the way you should go. God goes before us, not only to fight for us, but to show us the way. He is a faithful and dependable guide. His guidance is always reliable and trustworthy. For the Israelites in the wilderness, God provided a cloud by day and fire by night. And today, if you're a follower of Jesus... The Holy Spirit dwells in you. And as Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, he refers to the Holy Spirit in John 16 as the counselor. The Holy Spirit will counsel and guide you moment by moment. And I think too often we put too much pressure on ourselves to figure out this life, and especially the future. Which college should I go to? Who should I marry Which job should I take? What school should I send my kids to? And on and on. As God led the Israelites by cloud and fire, the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us through the steps of this life. He is a dependable and trustworthy guide. We don't need to figure it all out. He will guide us day by day, moment by moment. What adversity are you facing right now? What are the challenges that are consuming you? Will you see beyond the challenges and the circumstances to the God who's over everything? It will do you a whole lot of good to remember who God is. And wholehearted devotion calls us not to look at the adversity only but to look at the God who is a victorious warrior, a loving father, and a faithful guide. And Joshua and Caleb, they believed God's promises. They obeyed his commands. And they faced adversity with faithful trust in God. And God is still looking today for men and women, and young people, and children who will be wholehearted in following him. It's always been about being wholehearted. It's never been about being half-hearted. It's always been God inviting us to go all in with him. So I want to get practical as I get ready to close and ask us three questions. Um... I just want you to know, before I ask you 
These questions I always ask myself. These questions. I'm always hardest on myself first. So even this first question is going to kind of smack us in the face a little bit. When? When will you live wholeheartedly for God? I've been asking myself that question. I don't want to just assume since I'm a pastor that I'm all in for God. I'm going to keep asking myself this question. Often we say to, to ourselves, when I get a job, or when I graduate high school, or when I get married, then I'll get serious about my spiritual life and my devotion to God. Or when we have kids, when my career gets established, or when my, when my kids get more independent, and we constantly put it off. The call from God to live wholeheartedly is not someday, but today. Today. And tomorrow will be the next today. And on and on every day. Each day to grab hold of the best life that is available to us on planet Earth, which is wholehearted devotion to God. Why would we put this off? Why would we wait? I'm praying today will be a day for many of us to recommit to wholehearted devotion to God. Second question is, with whom? With whom will you live wholeheartedly for God? Caleb had Joshua. Joshua had Caleb. Jesus sent out his disciples two by two. God wants us to live wholeheartedly for him with others. Not solo, but together. If you're married with your spouse, yes. But even beyond that, who in your community group or your Bible study or just a friend that you have, can you join together in living all out for God? The next step might be talking with someone right after service uh, or grabbing dinner or coffee with them this week and just share with them, I want to live wholeheartedly for God, but I can't do this alone. Will you join me? And then talk together what that would look like to do this together. Not solo, but with others. And then how? So I'm going to give us three uh, answers to this question. I mean, there's so many answers. Just three things that I felt led to share. First one is the only way you're going to grow in understanding and living out God's promises and God's commands is by engaging Scripture. There is no other way around this. So I want to encourage you this week to get into the Word of God. And as you engage Scripture, look for God's promises and look for God's commands. And maybe for you, um, growing up in the church, there's a few verses that have always been meaningful for you. Maybe go back to those scriptures. Maybe just start with a single verse. Uh, Ephesians 4, I think, is a great chapter to focus on. If you want to look at just some of God's commands and promises, Ephesians chapter 4. But when you get into the Word of God, 
look for those promises. Look for those commands. And when you find them, talk to God about them. God, how do I build my life on this promise? How do I live out this command? Just start with one promise or one command at a time. And ask the Holy Spirit, who's your counselor, to lead and guide you to build your life on God's promises and God's commands. Second thing is, in the midst midst of adversity this week, that will come. Adversity comes every week. Why are we surprised? This new week will bring new challenges. When it comes, remember who God is. A victorious warrior, a caring father, a faithful guide. And maybe one of these images really stuck out to you this morning. And maybe go back to Deuteronomy 1, verses 29 through 33. And if one of those images, like God fights for you, stood out, just write it on a note card where you can look at it often this week. And remember who God is. He is the God who fights for you. Maybe you're artistic. You can spend some time drawing out one of these image, images to continue to reflect on and ponder how great our God is. And that's what faith does. It calls us to remember how amazing our God truly is. That he is the victorious warrior. He is a great father and a faithful guide. And he reigns over all the circumstances and challenges that life will throw at us. This final next step is something I'm I'm really excited about. At our congregational retreat this year, we're going to celebrate baptisms on Saturday afternoon uh, with everybody who is there. And this is the first time that we're sharing this with the congregation. Uh, So you haven't missed out. This is the first time people are hearing about it. Baptism is one of the most significant expressions of a person declaring their wholehearted devotion to Jesus. It's an amazing public display of allegiance to Christ. Jesus modeled it. He got baptized. And Jesus commanded it in Matthew 28, which we read earlier. Baptism does not earn salvation for us. It's a symbol of the transformational work that Christ has already done in us. It's a public declaration that I belong to Jesus and I will follow Jesus for the rest of my days. If you're a follower of Jesus and you have not gotten baptized yet, I want to strongly encourage you to take the plunge. Take the plunge this year at our retreat. And I know there might be reservations. Maybe you're thinking, I I put this off for too long and it's too late. It's not too late. I'm sure you can think of a thousand reasons not to get baptized. Uh, But I want to encourage you to think about your relationship with Christ. Follow Jesus' example Remember that baptism is an opportunity for you to obey Jesus 
and to publicly declare your love and your allegiance to him. I'd love to talk to you after service. If you have questions or if you're ready to sign up to get baptized, we have a sign-up sheet at the welcome table. We'll be having a baptism class on June 10th for those interested. I'm praying that God will lead many in our church to get baptized at our retreat. I can't wait for that Saturday afternoon. And just a joyous celebration of people standing up and saying, I'm going to follow Christ for the rest of my days. I want to lead us in a a time of response now as we come before God in prayer uh, to close. Why don't you just take a moment just to quiet your heart. Just pay attention to what the Holy Spirit might be doing in you right now. First question I want to ask you again is when? When will you live wholeheartedly for Christ? Again, you might have a lot of reasons to put this off. But I truly believe the best life is building your life on God's promises, God's commands, and living by faith and not by sight. So is today a day where you just need to tell God once again, I'm all in. I want to be wholehearted in following you. some of you maybe realize the way you've been living your life you have drifted far away from God's commands I just want to remind you again that our God is so patient so slow to anger and his arms are always open wide for you to return so come back to him tell him how you've drifted be honest with him but come back to him Some of our stories have been so filled with pain and heartbreak and discouragement that it's really hard for you to trust God right now. 
I know there's a lot of maybe grief and heartache that you're feeling. That's why he gave us his word. To remind us who he is. And as he fought for the Israelites, God is still fighting for you, whether you believe it or not. He's still a good father who carries you in the storms of this life. He wants to lead and guide you. God, I pray this morning that you would rebuild the faith of your people. Because some of us have lost our trust in you. The circumstances of this world have created a fog for us that we can't see you clearly anymore. So God, we pray that you would break in this morning. That you would bring breakthrough through the power of your Holy Spirit. That you would call your people back to yourself. And that we we would be unashamed. That we would be fearless. That we would be strong and courageous. That we would be all in for you. Because you've always been all in for us. So Holy Spirit, come, open our eyes again to who you are and what life looks like when we build it upon you, our rock and our refuge, our strength. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.